What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Big Show, brought to you by the two of us this week. <laughs> our trio is down to a duo. We are your hosts this week, Alex Day and Ethan Davidson. We are your guides through all things Big Ten football this year. And what a wild weekend, not just in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. I mean, four top ten teams lost this week. I'm sure you were on your couch. and I'm, I hope you were able to be on your couch enjoying all that was this weekend what a beautiful beautiful week of college football it was just absolutely gorgeous and everyone likes to watch alabama lose right i think it was like christmas in october this weekend (laughs) when tennessee hit that field goal i had it up on my phone possibly the ugliest field goal kick i've ever seen in my life it went in that ball looked like it was spinning sideways yep I think it was. I think it was. I don't know how it happened, but I think I think God had that football on a string. <laughs> Look at us. <laughs> Look at us. But anyways, it was a wild weekend uh, <clears throat> full of things that happened to a bunch of top teams. And, and we're starting to – well, we thought we were figuring out who these teams are, but college football keeps you on your toes, and it's what we love most about it. But before we get into some Big Ten talk, I have a message – For anyone out there who's still on the anti-12 team playoff bandwagon. And listen, I just want to start off by saying I have a lot of empathy for you. I have a lot of grace for you. Because no more than maybe four months ago, I was in your shoes. I thought, I want the regular season to matter. Mm -hmm. I I don't want to expand and see these no-name teams who got no shot and no real program mm. getting into the playoff and soiling Amen. this great product of college football. Amen. Oh, I thought and you then, were preaching. I'm sorry. <laughs> I may as well be. <laughs> and then this season happened. Yeah. What is going on right now in college football couldn't have be couldn't be more perfectly timed post the expanded playoff announcement. Cause I want to run through a scenario right now. There are a lot of teams out there that are sitting there with one or zero losses, and you look at the rest of their schedule, and I know college football is chaotic and unpredictable, but you look at the rest of these teams' schedules and think, whoa, what does this playoff committee want to do? So I want to run through a scenario and make my case for the expanded playoff and why you need to be a believer, and it's for years like this. We've got Clemson sitting undefeated right now with their toughest game left on the schedule, being Syracuse, who they play at home this weekend. That's right. So let's say Clemson wins out and they're an undefeated conference champ. They're in the playoff. Let's say Bama turns back into Bama. They pull on their big boy pants, which I wouldn't be surprised at, and they go win out and they are a 12-1 and conference champ. They're in the playoff. I think we probably both believe that one of Michigan or or Ohio State is going to be an undefeated conference champ or should be. So let's say it's Ohio State for argument, and they're an undefeated conference champ. Now let's say USC wins out with the toughest game on their schedule left being UCLA, and they're a one-loss conference champ. The committee is not keeping USC out. Now listen to that and think of all the teams I haven't mentioned that could end the season with one or two losses. Michigan, Georgia, Tennessee, UCLA, Oregon. And I didn't even mention the Big 12, who has an undefeated team in TCU right now, a one-loss team in Oklahoma State, and a two-loss Texas team 
that is now getting healthy and playing their best football of the year. I would be pooping my pants for a 12-team playoff this year. <laughs> I mean, could you imagine like a five-seed Tennessee playing an Oregon that sneaks in with Bo Nix and the fireworks show that would be that game? Well, I, I just, I think the more, first of all, a lot of things are going to sort themselves out from now to the end of the season. They always do. And that will happen again this year. However, I believe the level of parity that we have in college football this year is so much greater that the distance between whoever finishes at five and whoever finishes at 12, there's not going to be that big of a gap, in my opinion. Now, you have to remember in this 12-team format that you have the top four teams still getting a bye. So it still matters to get one of those top four spots. It's huge. You're talking 100%. about you're talking about automatically advancing to the second round of the playoff. Not to mention that gives you an extra week of practice, an extra week of getting healthy. It you you essentially have a second bye week built in to your schedule, which is huge. Especially when you're talking about football, it's huge. So it still gives you a massive advantage to be one of those top four teams and to fight for a top four spot. However, we're still going to have some teams that are in that conversation right now that will get exposed before we reach that level. And yeah, you're going to have some teams that are in the top 12 where you're going to kind of be shaking your head and you're like, how is this team in the playoff? But you know what? It gives them one more shot to go out there and to prove that they deserve it. I, I think right now of a team like Penn State and the possibility yes. of them, I mean, they just got absolutely eviscerated by Michigan. Yep. But a team like that is going to be the 12 seed almost every year because they likely have at least one more loss coming to Ohio State. And that type of a team you're going to get to see in the playoff to have one last who and And listen... They're going to play a road game. They're going to have to go on the road to whoever it is that they're playing as the five seed and try and win that game. I'm really looking forward to it. I, I really am because it's going to give you an extra two weeks of super, super meaningful games in football, in college football, and it's going to be awesome. And the top four still ma still matters. So. I'm really looking forward to it, especially like you said, in a year like this year. However, I I put a I put a soft pause on that because a lot of stuff is gonna sort itself out between now and then. It always does. So just You're right. just pump the brakes on the excitement as far as what it would look like for this season a little bit. That's all I'm saying. Just a little bit. But I I, I like the expanded playoff. I totally agree with you that even this year included, it will probably sort itself out where you have a two-loss team that wins a conference championship and then they're probably not making the playoff because no one really makes it with two losses. I don't think anyone has to this point. So odds are that will happen. But I think to your point about parity, this year has been the closest we've been to a situation like this, in my opinion, since the playoff it was instated. And it just makes it so much more exciting because you're right. When we get years like this with a 12-team playoff, it's going to be so much more competitive, meaningful football. And if I think the playoff is going to do 
if the playoff does what I think it's going to do, which is increase parity, it's going to mean something for a kid to see Oregon get the 12 seed, to see an Oklahoma State get the 12 seed, to see a Michigan State get the 12 seed. And well, say, and like, let's oh, not kid ourselves. Let's not kid ourselves and think that this is not going to make these schools so much money. I mean, oh, 100%. I mean, you are going, you think you hear heated debates right now for the top four? It is very, very hard to make an argument for your school to be in the top four. There has been maybe, maybe two times since the playoffs started where the five could really make an argument that they should have been the four. Maybe twice. Every single year, that 12 seed, there is going to be chaos when it comes 100%. when it comes to ranking that last seed because it's going to mean a lot for recruiting and like you said for money and it's always going to be two lost teams it's yep. always going to be two lost teams and, and and sometimes you're going to have there is going to be a time when a three lost team gets in over a two lost team and people are going to lose their minds it's going to be not because it means so much as far as money goes for these schools. So 100%. So that's my, that's my, uh, uh, my spiel on the expanded playoff. And I just can't wait for it to be here. I think it's going to be exciting, meaningful, incredible, incredible football, but I'll get off my soapbox. And <laughs> I want to bring up something interesting. Did you see this weekend to get back to the big 10? Indiana football reached a milestone this weekend. They became the first Division I football program to reach 700 oh all-time losses. Oh, my gosh. Golf clap for Indiana football. 700 losses. That is not a number you want to be the first to. I mean, they have been around forever, so, like... Somebody was going to get there eventually. I just but... wouldn't. I I just wouldn't have pegged Indiana. No, you know, like this, I would I never have guessed. I would never have guessed Indiana. So just a yikes moment for being Indiana football fans. And two other two other moments that I thought were also yikes moments this uh, this weekend. So so Michigan Michigan State hate week has officially started because they're both on by. We've got two weeks until the Michigan-Michigan State game for the Paul Bunyan Trophy. So the, the hate is just festering, and it's going to be building over the next two weeks. And the Michigan State football Twitter page tried to get the first shot in. And when the game time got announced, they tweeted out their graphic, Michigan-Michigan State. They had both team logos up there. And to screw with us Michigan fans, what they did was they flipped the, the block M upside down on their graphic. And thought, yeah, yeah, we got them. We got them this time. <laughs> and then literally every person on earth told them, hey, bozos, you made it a W for win. You might want to change that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what it's going to be. So uh, spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, that was some accidental foreshadowing yeah. by the MSU Yikes. social media squad. Whoever that intern was, gone. Out the door. <laughs> Out the door. Find the door. Ay, <laughs> 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 What an embarrassment. Uh, oh, did you watch uh, 
the uh, comments that, or not the watch the comments. Sorry, there was like a a little a little tussle, a little scrap at halftime of the Michigan game. Did you see that? Um, at halftime. Yeah. So there was a video going around on Twitter of Michigan, Michigan State, like they were in the tunnel. Michigan Penn State. Uh, or yeah, sorry, Michigan. Yes, Penn State. I did. Yeah, where they were like kind of getting after it a little bit. I did see that. I thought yeah, that I didn't think that was at halftime. I thought that was before the game, but uh, either way. Yeah, it was at halftime. Okay. Allegedly there were like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches being thrown <laughs> at, at teams because that was like their halftime snack. What? <laughs> they were, like they were in the high school lunchroom <laughs> just yeeting PB&Js at other players. Very very interesting. <laughs> well, but I love and th- this is my surprise for you for the show because I want to I want to get your raw reaction to this. Oh boy. James Franklin after the game was asked about what happened at halftime and after getting absolutely blown to bits by Michigan. This is what James Franklin had to say. Quote, "We need to put a policy in place to stop this." He was like infuriated that there's only one entrance onto and off of Michigan's field like we we cannot have this anymore and it was like what he he was very he was upset that there's only one tunnel going onto and off of the field at the big house yeah I bet he was because Michigan took their jock strap and dragged it across their face both times <laughs> they had to walk in and out of it <laughs> so yeah I'd be upset too it was probably very stinky <laughs> it probably was and oh, i mean my word what a loser listen if you're a penn state fan like i'm sorry this last weekend had to be real tough for you because you reverted right back to what happened last year which last week i said cannot happen you can't you can't fall off that cliff and when i went on my rant about big two a little late i said penn state fans Shut your mouth because you did this same thing last year and then fell off a cliff in the second half of the season. Well, guess what? Michigan just delivered the first blow for that to be repeating itself. So uh, I think you got a lot more to worry about uh, in your own locker room and with your team and with how you are a horrible game manager and how your game plan was absolutely dog water coming in to play Michigan. So Franklin, I think, I think we got to start focusing on um, a little bit more important things. Buckwheat. (laughs) James Franklin now in his career at Penn state, seven and 18 versus Michigan, Michigan state and Ohio state. That's good, right? <laughs> it it doesn't matter. He's starting a petition to get another tunnel installed at Michigan. We'll get Stadium. right on that. We'll get right on that. Good on you. Start a start a GoFundMe, frankly. Yeah, for real. Start a GoFundMe. Ay, ay, ay. I mean, how big of a loser do you have to be? How big of a loser do you have to be? Just like go into that media room and just take your tongue lashing and run away. We have to figure something out about this tunnel situation. It's horrible. I can picture James Franklin. There is a reason why Nick Saban has fallen to number two on my most hated coaching list in college football. Because James Franklin exists. 
and coaches Penn State. <laughs> I cannot stand that man. Well, to answer your question about how big of a loser he is, at least this weekend in particular, we'll go right into the game. Michigan 41, Penn State 17. It was an absolute – it was a knockout punch delivered by Michigan. And you look at that score and you think that's ugly. It should have been uglier. Oh, yeah. It didn't tell the story of the whole game at all. I mean, Michigan was absolutely dominant in the first half. And Penn State from two plays, one which was uh, great play design and, you know, the big run, uh, that was, I mean, that was just a great play by Clifford to keep that ball and run with it. Uh, But the interception was kind of like a crazy fluke play. Didn't even know what was going on type of thing. Um, but even going into halftime as a Michigan fan, I, I never felt like that game was in doubt. Never. Uh, we, we dominated in the first half and then came out in the second half and it showed in the second half. I mean, it was complete domination in all three phases of the game. 100%. I actually was a little bit nervous as a Michigan fan going into half, despite what happened, just because I thought, oh no. Is this one of those games where, like, you know, they just do enough to hang around and then they make halftime adjustments and come out and sneak out a win? But <clears throat> it didn't come even close to that. And just to speak to how lopsided this game was, 563 total yards of offense for Michigan, <clears throat> Michigan 268 for Penn State. Penn State only had a 111 yards rushing as a team. And 62 of those came on the one run you're talking about where Sean Clifford had a 62-yard run and put them at the Michigan four when they eventually scored their their first touchdown. I mean, this was an absolute drubbing. And to make it worse for Penn State fans, you know, they came into the game, Penn State did, as a team being ranked the fifth best rushing defense in the entire country. Going into the game. Yeah, and they, they ended up giving up more rushing yards in this game than they had all season. They gave up over 400 yards rushing to Michigan, and they had only given up 398 the entire season to this point. I mean, yikes. Oh, big yikes. And and part of why Michigan, why it was close in the first half, wasn't just because of those two plays, the pick six and the big run, but to get picky, because with great teams you do – have the right to get a little picky. Michigan did not finish when they got in the red zone. They didn't finish drives. They had to settle for field goals a couple of times. Um, Especially early. Especially early. Especially early. Like you said, early on this happened. And then once you got into the second half, the offensive line took over and Michigan said, we are going to run this down your throat. And on back-to-back plays is when they broke this game wide open. Donovan Edwards had a 67-yard touchdown run. And then – Penn State got the ball, had a little bit of a drive, like nine plays or something like that, and then Michigan got the ball back on the first play of that next drive. Blake Corum, Blake the Great, as Gus Johnson called it, 61-yard touchdown run. Yeah. And and those two plays were just absolutely backbreaking and blew the game wide open. And I mean, it, I, I'm 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 just baffled at these stats that Michigan put up on the ground because Donovan Edwards only rushed 16 times and for an average of 10.8 per carry and Blake Corum rushed 28 times for an average of 5.9 yards per carry. That is 
that is the sign that you're not only are your 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 running backs elite, your offensive line is creating so much space for them that by the time they get to their first defender, they're already four or five yards downfield. I remember early in the year when people were getting a little bit worried about how many carries Corum was getting because of the wear and tear that might happen on him. Because of what you just said, I'm not worried at all. Yeah, The dude is not getting touched yeah. on some of these runs until he's tackled or until he's 60 yards downfield yeah. in the end. So really quick, what this did for me in my mind, I needed to see a performance out of Michigan against a top team where I did not expect it to look the way that it did. I wanted them to just, hey, win by like 10 or more. That's what I was yep. looking for. Yeah. But because they won the way that they did, and this is not to say that like, oh, now all of a sudden, you know, you think they can do X, Y, Z. No, now my expectations become get back to the playoff, win the Big Ten. That That is what your expectations as a Michigan fan should now be. You firmly cemented yourself in the category of can win a national championship with that game. And and that that's not me being hyperbolic. That's not me, you know, just, oh my gosh, I'm praising them after one win. No. What you went out there and did, Bama showed them showed themselves as looking vulnerable. Tennessee played a great game. They've come very close to losing to teams who are way worse than Alabama. Their defense is not very good. Georgia, they have had games where they have barely escaped. I mean, look at the the game against Missouri that they had. They have looked vulnerable. Honestly, I I firmly believe that the best team in the country right now is Ohio State. And I think number two is a toss-up between uh, Georgia and Michigan, in my opinion. I really do. And, and I, I, I am the first person to jump on Michigan's back and to tell them how bad they are, even when they have really good teams. But I firmly believe that this Michigan team has what it takes. You're solid up front on both sides of the football. Uh, your offensive line is probably the best offensive line in the country. Yep. And your running backs are the best running backs in the country. Yep. And your quarterback, when when push comes to shove, has made some unbelievable throws, especially on the rollout, which last year was a huge, huge lacking factor in this offense. And J.J. McCarthy has not been asked to do a ton. He ran the ball more in this game than he had all season long. 57 yards rushing on the ground for him, 8.1 a carry. And looked very good doing so. And I think when you see that combination of skill and speed on the offensive end and what Michigan has been able to establish on the defensive line and in the secondary, I'm just saying, look out. This is a... This is a very, very good football team, and you beat Ohio State last year. You took them behind the woodshed, and you beat them. Now, you have to go into the horseshoe and play them this year. That's a different animal. I'm fully aware of that, and I fully expect Ohio State to be favored in that game. But 
you have a legitimate chance to win a national title this year. 100%. I think as a Michigan fan, you, the, the bottom, the bare minimum right now is going into the Ohio State game 11-0. and And you just, you see what happens when you get there. Yeah, you, you have to get to that point, though. That right now, that is that is the only thing that matters. Win every game in front of your face leading up to that game. You must get there unblemished. 100%. Sean Clifford only went 7 for 19, 120 yards. And their their tandem of star freshman running backs, Singleton and Allen, only 35 yards rushing. So from the defense, the offense, offensive line, defensive line, you mentioned all the position groups, dominated every single phase of the game from top to bottom. And you're right. They've cemented themselves as a top elite team in the country. Next one up, Minnesota, Illinois. Illinois gets by in this one. Uh, really quick, really quick. I'm so sorry. I'm going to let yeah. you circle back. We ragged on James Franklin a little bit, but in all in all seriousness, does Penn State not need to take a serious look at what they want to do as far as long-term coaching at the end of this year if James Franklin and Penn State fall off the wagon again? If they if they do exactly what they did last year, which is they lose to the best teams oh, on their oh, schedule. Oh, he has to get fired. I, I'm not kidding when I say I would fire him. I'm not kidding. I think if he loses to the two best teams on the schedule, which would be Michigan and Ohio State, and then loses one more game that they shouldn't. That's what I'm saying, yeah. I think his seat's going to be seat. really, really hot. I don't know what his what buyout done? situation is. What has he done? What has he, he done? He won the Big Ten Championship because of a blocked field goal. Okay. That's what he did. I, I mean, if that's what you're hanging your hat on. Coolio. It is. It is what he's hanging his hat on, 100%. But anyways, back to Illinois-Minnesota. This game was actually eerily similar in in some regards to the Michigan-Penn State game. Illinois wins 26-14, but Illinois had a lot of the same struggles that Michigan did in the first half, but they just had it for the whole game. Illinois dominated in almost every single statistical category. They had 472 yards of offense to Minnesota's 180. Their time of possession, Illinois, was 40 minutes. Minnesota was 20 minutes. Uh, their quarterback, uh, DeVito, Tommy DeVito, threw for 252 when Tanner Morgan threw for 21 yards. I mean, this game <laughs> on the box score should have been a billion to zero, but they settled for a lot of field goals. Mm. They only scored two touchdowns all game, and the rest were field goals to get them to 26. So they win, and they win convincingly, but if they could have finished some of those drives, man, the style points would have been up for Illinois. Mo Ibrahim single-handedly kept this game close. I, I yes. mean, single-handedly. It was, same, it was the same thing where Mo Ibrahim, just like Sean Clifford did, he broke off a really long run to get Minnesota into scoring position and kept them close in the first half. And then Minnesota had a kickoff return that went all the way to the Illinois four to start the second half. And they ended up leading 14-13, just like Penn State mm-hmm. did. I mean, it was like eerily similar. It, it really was. And, and I, I mean, if you're a Minnesota fan and you watch this game, you look at the stats afterwards and you say, okay, Mo Ibrahim, 127 yards, 8.5 per carry, and only touched the ball 15 times. You're like, what in the world? What were we doing? Like, what, what was going on? That was how many times you touched the ball. Like, Mo Ibrahim got the ball a decent amount when you were on offense, you never had the ball. (laughs) Illinois 
dominated this football game and yes settled for too many field goals only scoring only scoring two touchdowns can't happen that's a big note but illinois defense aside from what they allowed mo ibrahim to accomplish in this game their pass defense was immaculate in this football game i, I mean tanner morgan had zero chance their pass rush was great their coverage was great. They had yep. multiple times where Tanner Morgan seemed to have enough time and their coverage was just so good and he ended up getting obliterated. I, I mean, they 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 gave up zero passing touchdowns and they forced the interception. I, I I just thought it was one of those it was one of those performances by Illinois' defense where you you kind of go, oh, like Oh, they're really yeah. good. <laughs> they're yeah, really, we always really said good. They always passed the eye test this year of just being nasty and flying to the football. And then like that one pick they had on Tanner Morgan, it was a nasty interception. Like their safety, I think his, his last name's Smith, I believe. I'm pretty sure he leads the conference in interceptions. And it was a nasty interception that he pulled off. And then Chase Brown, who's still leading the nation in uh in rushing yards he's just a weapon he's unreal you can feed you can feed this guy as many touches as you want he had 41 carries for 180 yards and then he added 53 yards receiving and a touchdown through the air i mean not not to make everything about michigan but michigan's last two games of the season are illinois at home and at ohio state and if you think for two seconds you can look past this team with what their defense is i I, i'm not kidding when i say this i currently believe illinois is better than penn state i don't know if i would go quite there yet but i can't say you're wrong I, i i know you get them at home and is michigan better yes they are better Michigan, yes. Michigan, offensively, defensively, they are a better team. However, Illinois looks scary right now. I mean, would you be surprised if that was a 10-point game going into the fourth quarter? No. No, no. I wouldn't be surprised if it's less than that. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a, a three- or seven-point game going into Me the fourth either. quarter. Illinois just the comes The way off they play defense. Team. The way they play yeah. defense is so sound. And... You saw you saw in that game against Minnesota them try to do those little like rollouts to get the ball to the tight end. It was swallowed up. It was absolutely swallowed up. And when they did complete it, it was for a yard because he was instantly getting tackled. Their linebackers fly to the football. Their secondary plays super sound. And their defensive line, while it's not like outrageously good, they stuff the run. They're athletic. Yeah, they stuff the run. I'm yeah, telling and, you, man, Illinois Illinois is a team to be reckoned with right now. They They're are my favorites and, to win the West. I'm hands down my favorites to win the West. You stole the words right out of my mouth. They're tied with Purdue at three three and one atop the West right now. But and we'll talk about Purdue later. But the thing about Illinois is I know what I'm getting from them every single week. You do not know with Purdue. You do not. You do not know. And I think and Illinois. The difference for me, and this is going to sound cliche, but the difference for me is I know what I'm getting as far as coaching goes out of Illinois. I know that they are a well-coached team, 
and they are going to be prepared, and they're going to have a sound game plan for every game. I do not know that about Purdue. 100%. Couldn't agree more. Maryland at Indiana. This game, Maryland escapes with a win, 38-33. to uh, They win by five. They do not cover. But the story is just the same with Maryland every single week. It's It's sloppy play and penalties costs them from breaking these games open. This this is just a list of things that happened in this game alone for Maryland. A kickoff out of bounds, a missed field goal, uh, a penalty on an Indiana punt, but before the kick went off that gave them a first down, and then Indiana scored a touchdown on that drive to take the lead, and nine total team penalties on Maryland. It's just the same stuff over and over again with this team that's preventing them from taking that next step and looking like a really, really great football team. Their defense is getting worse. Your defense yes. is getting worse. Like, normally you progress throughout the season, you are getting worse. And that, and and, and I mean, their season's now over because they, they lost Tonga Vailoa in this game. Um do we know how long he's going to be out I, for? I mean, when you get carted off and you've got an injury like that, it you assume multiple weeks. It did look like a lower leg, like knee yeah. thing that got tweaked. So, so I, yeah. I, and, and just for a little bit of context here, Edwards came in, threw the ball three times, didn't complete a single one. No. <laughs> so, I, I mean, he... No, he ran, but... he ran the ball. I mean, he he ran the ball when he was in the game fairly well. He had five rushes for fifty three yards. So um, yeah. I mean, and to his credit, he did lead them from behind. Like yeah. when he came in the game, they were down twenty four twenty seven, and he ended up bringing them back. But it was like a specified Billy Edwards yes. Junior package. Like but he, he was running the he ball. He is not Tulea Tonga Vailoa. No, he's not. he's not. So if and if, with the insufficiencies that Maryland currently has on defense, they cannot survive him missing time. They just can't. And. I say that as somebody who thought coming into this season that like Maryland was going to put somebody on notice and beat a really good team this year. And I'm starting to think more and more that that's not going to happen because you shoot yourself in the foot constantly. You're there's, it feels like on every big drive, every big play penalty, penalty, penalty. I, I mean, there was one specific play in this game and I can't remember who it was, um, but Tungvaluwa made an incredible pass, and it was a great catch, and it was like for a 30-yard gain, holding, bring it back. Oh yeah, and it's it's like inevitable. You know it's coming, and it's just it's so disappointing with this Maryland team. And it's like you know what? And now he's going to be hurt. And look, injuries are just something that happen. And I hope I, I hope he gets better as soon as possible. He's awesome to watch. He's so fun to watch play. He really is. But he is very fun, super electric to watch. But yeah, it's just the same story with Maryland. And, you know, I want them to take that next step. But you get this deep in the season and you're still doing the same stuff. Just doesn't seem like it's going to happen. Talia, before he left the game, 270 yards and two touchdowns. Roman Hemby had an awesome game on the ground, 17 carries for 107 and a touchdown and threw in four catches for 25 yards. Indiana did what Indiana does. They do not run the ball. They throw the ball every single time. Basilak was 29 for 42. 40, 
42 <laughs> passing attempts, 292 yards, three touchdowns, but two costly interceptions. Uh, and Indiana as a team, just to the point about rushing, uh, only had 36 rushing yards as a team when you factor in sacks. You have – when you have – Five guys with rushing stats on your team, and two of them are for negative yardage. <laughs> and the rest of your guys, and the rest of, and and nobody runs for more than thirty-two yards. You've got serious problems. Uh, very much so, very much so. <laughs> Nebraska and Purdue. Speaking of uh, Illinois being tied atop the Big Ten West, uh, what was the score of this game? Oh, here we go. Forty-three, thirty-seven. Thank you. 43 for Purdue, 37 for Nebraska. Close game, just like you and I called on last week's pod. Mm -hmm. Congratulations to us. This was a – I didn't watch this game as closely as some of the others, but an absolute barn burner, a shootout. Um, We figured that Nebraska's defense wouldn't be so great, but we had talked about how Purdue's defense had showed some signs of of life and improvement. And then, just like we would mentioned a minute ago, Purdue being unpredictable – um, they they were not great in this game. Uh, Palmer for Nebraska had a Nebraska single game record, I believe, of 237 receiving yards, which is absolutely insane. And Purdue had 608 yards of offense to Nebraska's 476. If you are a fan of offense, this was the game for you because everybody ate. I, I mean, Trey Palmer, can we just take one moment here to talk about Trey Palmer? Like- yes. He is unreal. He's so good. He is unfreaking real. He caught the ball seven times. That's it. Seven times. He averaged 34 yards per catch. That's unreal. He finished the game with 237 yards, which you already mentioned, but he averaged 40 yards a catch. In his long... Like, you're going to be like, oh, well, 72 yards, that's so much. But you're long being 72 and you're averaging 40? Yeah, that's crazy. I I mean, he was targeted 12 times, only caught seven of them, and finished. uh, Like, he's just unreal. Get him the ball as much as possible because he's disgusting. Absolutely. He's the most electric athlete on that offense. So, like you said, just feed him the ball. Get him touches. And let me switch gears really quick to Purdue because they annoy me so much, and I'm, I'm, I'm so mad at them. Their offense played a great game, obviously. Nebraska had no answer for them on offense. I, I mean, it was one of those games where, like, you look at it, and Aiden O'Connell just went out of his mind. Crazy. Like, just unbelievable. And, and to think that he threw the ball 54 times – and they still and Mockaby still got thirty rushing attempts in this game. Yeah, is yeah. unreal to think of. Like just mind-boggling how many offensive plays Purdue ran in this game. Just and to your point, that shows how bad their defense was because not only was Nebraska scoring, but they were scoring quickly. fast, very fast. Yes, because. I I can't I, I I had the time of possession pulled up on this game, but it was like I'll I'll pull it up. I, I know Purdue killed them in top, like it, it, because it was just unreal. And, and I watched the quick like, oh my gosh, 
40 it was 42 minutes to 17 yeah. how did nebraska score that many exactly points? i that's what i was saying i'm like i know it was insane the difference you scored 37 points in 17 minutes that okay so this just further exemplifies my point that purdue might be and and this might be getting a little crazy when i say this but there's a possibility that Purdue might be the worst coach team in the Big Ten. Nebraska only had 15 first downs mm-hmm. and 37 points. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. They didn't touch the ball. Like, they, they hardly had the ball. When they did, they scored. When they had the ball, they scored. Yeah. Dude, that is unbelievable. I watched, so I watched the the little, like, Big Ten and 60 review of this game where they just show play yeah. after play after play. I had yeah. that recorded. I'm like, Purdue has the ball. Every every time I look at the screen, Purdue has the ball. <laughs> so the fact that this game, and it was back and forth for a while. Yeah. So I, I just, look, Purdue, congrats. Your offense played a great game. But I just, I, I, I can't get on the bandwagon. When you play that inconsistently and that poorly on defense, you're not beating anybody of of substance with that type of a performance. Like Nebraska's not good. Let's let's get that out of the no. way. Nebraska's not a good football team. So nope. I, I don't know. I'm just I'm not impressed with Purdue at all right now. I know they're tied for the lead in the Big Ten West, but my my favorite, like I said, by far Illinois, especially with the win over Minnesota. And, and I firmly expect. I firmly expect Illinois to beat Purdue when they play later this season. I do. I expect them to be favorites and to win. Uh, I agree. I agree with you. Just to uh, put a bow on this one, I'll I'll give you the Purdue box score numbers because they were video game. Aiden O'Connell, like you said, 54 passing attempts, 391 yards, four touchdowns and an interception. Then Maccabee. 30 carries for 178 on the ground in a touchdown. They had the ball the whole game. (laughs) And then Charlie Jones. Charlie Jones had 12 catches for 132 and two touchdowns. You almost had a 400-yard passer and a 150-yard rusher and a 100-yard receiver. 180-yard rusher. Oh, yeah, he was. He was two yards away from 180. You're right. Yeah. Unreal. Casey Thompson had a good game, too, 354 through the air for two touchdowns and two interceptions. Now, the last game on the schedule, MSU picks up their first Big Ten win of the season in what was an absolutely astounding game, an exciting game to watch. Michigan State 34, Wisconsin 28. I looked at the box score after this game because I was watching this one pretty closely but I was just so shocked that Wisconsin wasn't able to move the ball through the air against this Michigan State defense. So I wanted to see how many passing yards they had. 131. It's embarrassing to only have 131 yards passing against this Michigan State secondary. I don't care if it's Graham Mertz. I don't care because Graham Mertz is not – he's inconsistent, but he's not a bad quarterback. No, no. I'm going to stop you right there. He is bad. He is bad. You you say inconsistent, he is bad. He, Graham Mertz is not a good quarterback, and, and I think he's had plenty of opportunities to get rid of that stigma or to shake the inconsistent quarterback 
like tag that's been placed on him, and he just keeps proving time and time again that nope, he's just bad. You might be right. Yeah. Case <laughs> the... in point, he played the worst secondary in the Big Ten, and that's including Northwestern. And he went yeah. fourteen of twenty-five for a hundred and thirty-one yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. Yeah, and the only touchdown that MSU scored in the first half. It was off of an interception that he threw deep in Wisconsin territory. Like he was in the Wisconsin end zone when he threw the pass, I believe. And it was it was just an inaccurate pass. Mm-hmm. Like he had the receiver and threw it behind him, and it was a pretty easy interception and, for Michigan State. And to don't make. tell me like, oh, they leaned on him so hard. They they really needed him in this game, and he just like whatever. No, they had a great rushing attack going. Allen went. Allen had a t- 123 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah. He just needed some help by Graham Mertz, and he could not supply it. And you want to talk about inaccurate. You go 14 of 25 against that secondary. Come on. You're bad. You're bad. I, I agree with you. I'm going to pick this one up at the end of the game because I, I don't know if you were able to watch the end of regulation. The clock management by Tuck at the end of this game, I'm just, I'm going to break it down for, for people who are listening and weren't able to watch. So Michigan state made it third and two at the Wisconsin 28 yard line. And they called a timeout with 27 seconds left their last timeout. They have none left 27 seconds left third and two. So they got two plays They're in field goal range. They run a screen pass. With no timeouts and 27 seconds on the clock for a loss of one yard and they get tackled inbounds. Why? What is the what is the thinking there? And and then what happens on the next play? So he gets tackled inbounds. Clock is running. They can't stop it. They rush the field goal team out there, the field goal unit, and and they rush and the kicker has to rush through his routine. And he's like basically backpedaling into his, you know, routine or whatever. And then they snap the ball and the snapper botches the snap because they're in such a hurry at the end of the game. And that's what puts them into overtime. I mean, as a coach, you, your job is to put your guys in a, in a situation to be successful. And it's not what Tuck did at the end of that game. That needs to be, that needs to be a play where you have, you're in shotgun formation. You have your running back there in the backfield and your quarterback can check into a run only if the coverage is certain, you know, he'd see, he reads the coverage and he's certain that they can get a first down by running it, or you are snapping the ball and you are throwing that ball beyond the marker and never taking a sack. Exactly. That you're either throwing it away or you're throwing it to a receiver who is 100% getting a first down. You took the words out of my mouth. It's got to be an incomplete pass or a first down because the clock stops and you'd be able to go up with a fresh set of downs and spike the ball and have plenty of time to get your kicker out there. Couldn't have said it better, but regardless, they got into overtime. Michigan state scored on their opening play with like a reverse pass. Jaden Reed through the pass to Keon Coleman. It was an incredible play. Then Wisconsin answered with a 25 yard touchdown pass to DK and then Wisconsin took over the ball with their second in the in, in the second overtime and Braylon Allen fumbles the ball on the first play of their second possession and of course it was Jacoby Winman. I mean the dude is a fumble forcing 
machine. He just has such a knack to do it as a defensive lineman. And then MSU didn't even just settle for a field goal. They 27 yard touchdown pass from Thorne to Reed. Um, and, and they sealed it and they sealed it in double o- overtime. So uh, Jaden Reed is a weapon. Jaden Reed is a beast. In this game, he had nine catches for 117 yards and a touchdown. I keep seeing Michigan State fans on Twitter just being like, we are wasting this guy's season. I mean, if they had a competent offense and a defense that could get them the ball back, Jaden Reed would be balling out. He wins almost every single 50-50 ball that he gets thrown, and he's just super fun to watch. I I mean, for Michigan State, like – you have to be happy that you won this game. I I think it was a game that you really needed to win. You really needed to see a win from Michigan state in the big 10 and they got it. And you, you got to see some of the potential that this team has. However, I think they're still very, very deeply flawed. So, and, and everyone knows that, but it was, if you're a Michigan state fan, this, you needed to see this. You needed to see that they had the capability to win a game like this for sure. 100%. And you're right. It had to be this game because they play Michigan next. They play Illinois after Michigan. Uh, and then they have Rutgers and in Indiana. And then they end the year with Penn State. So in this stretch that they've had of, I believe it was three straight losses. Uh, no, four. Four straight losses. They needed the Wisconsin game really, really badly before they get to Michigan and Illinois. So that closes the week. That closes the weekend. That was Big Ten football. Uh, we are now going to get into the big I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. Just, I'm lost. Listen, <laughs> just keep letting me roll over you, all right? Just let it shower over you, my superiority. <laughs> I'm in – I'm in the wilderness right now. Week seven for Corey and I was not fun. We both went one and four. Mm. Uh, Ethan went three and two, mm. further extending his lead. Oh. He has a he has a six game lead on me. I'm sitting in second with a one game lead over Corey. Um, but it's going to be pretty hard to catch up to Ethan at this point. <laughs> oh well. Let's hop right into it and let me extend this lead. Let's go. Game number one. <laughs> Let's do it. So obviously Corey is not with us on this episode, rip but he peace. texted his picks. Rip in peace, Corey. <laughs> rip in peace. Uh, but he texted us his picks. Uh, I'm still waffling back and forth on a few of these. Um, I'll let Corey go first, and then I'll make my pick, and then I'll let Ethan go last. I feel like you've earned that right as the person who's in first right now. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. So first game up on the docket, Iowa is traveling to Ohio State. Ohio State is favored, shocker, I know, <laughs> by 29. Corey's got Iowa. I It's probably a horrible, horrible idea, but I'm going to side with Corey on this one. I think 29 is a lot of points, and Illinois has an elite defense. We've said that all year, and I think their offense is getting healthier do I think that means they keep this game close? No, not by any means. But but the game probably gets to a three-touchdown lead, you know, early in the fourth or something like that, and then Ohio State takes out some starters. I just think one way or another, Iowa will keep this game close enough to cover, so I'll take Iowa. I think this is one of those games when at home, you're being Ohio State at home, 
You really want to just make sure you control the game. And that does not lend itself towards explosive plays and all that kind of stuff. I, I think you'll just see an Ohio State that just wants to hold steady, make sure that they control the game, control the clock. They know they are the far superior team here. I, I'm going to take Iowa to cover the 29. And they might lose by 28. They might lose by four touchdowns. But that would mean but that would mean right. we cover. Exactly. Next game up, Indiana is traveling to Rutgers. <laughs> Rutgers is minus three in this game. Corey has Indiana covering. Indiana just seems like a scrappy team. They play teams close. They do play down or up to the level of whoever they're playing. Uh, So I do think they'll play down to Rutgers, but I think Rutgers is a bad team. Noah Vedral is still not completely healthy, who is their best quarterback. And I think they're going to throw it all over the place. And they're going to have a few explosive plays that keeps this close. So, it's a close game. I'll take the team that's getting the points. I'll take Indiana. I like Indiana to lose this game by more than three points. I'm taking Rutgers. Ooh. That makes me and Corey feel very uncomfortable. <laughs> I think that I think that the inconsistencies that you've seen as far as Indiana being able to run the football is going to show itself, especially on in a road game. Uh, you're going to Rutgers. Rutgers has shown has shown the ability to play a little bit of defense and it's really hard to run your hurry up offense on the road. I I just think I think Rutgers gets it done. I think they win by more than 3. Purdue travels to Wisconsin. Wisconsin is minus 2 at home coming off of that loss to Michigan State. Corey has Purdue. He he flip-flopped though. His original pick was Wisconsin. And then he switched to Purdue at the last second because, in his words, the road to Pasadena goes through West Lafayette. Oh, boy. You sounded <laughs> I did way, that for you, Corey. Yeah, you sounded way too much like him. I didn't like it. <laughs> um, my pick in this one, I'm struggling with this one, too. And, and here's going to be my logic. Purdue has been inconsistent all year. The last game they played, they were bad at defense. So this game, I think they'll be better at defense. I think this is going to be a close game. So similar with Indiana Rutgers, I'll take the team that's getting the points. I'll take Purdue. I actually see, I, I hate wanting to trust Purdue, but Wisconsin's bad. Grammar's bad. Uh, Purdue can score a lot of points. And Wisconsin's defense is pretty trash as well. I will take the points if you're going to give me points. I know this is a road game for Purdue. I will definitely take the two if you're giving it to me. But I like Purdue in this spot. I agree with you, Alex. Yeah, and they seem like they found somewhat of a run game recently with Maccabi, which which helps me trust them just a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Next game up, Northwestern at Maryland. Maryland is minus 13.5. Corey has Maryland covering this game. I wish that we knew if Talia was playing. I doubt um, it. I doubt he will. I doubt he will too. If he was, if he was completely healthy and I could trust it, I'd probably pick Maryland. But when you factor in the health of Tua on top of the fact that they're just a flawed football team that makes too many mistakes, dumb ones, um, double digits 
I know Northwestern is bad, but I'll hop back on the train. Give me Northwestern. Yeah, I, I just think that there's no way Tua plays in this game. Northwestern is awful. Maryland is going to win this game. But Maryland finds a way to make things ugly, finds a way to not look good. And especially if Tua's out and you're giving me almost two full touchdowns, I'm going to take Northwestern in the points and just hang on for dear life. <laughs> That's exactly what it will feel like. Last game this weekend, Minnesota travels to Penn State, Penn State minus four and a half. This line actually was five and moved down to four and a half. I have it currently. I'm I'm going to change this on you. The live, okay. the live line is three and a half. Penn State minus three and a half. Three and a half. Okay. Officially changing this to Penn State minus three and a half. Uh, it definitely wouldn't change Corey's pick. He took Penn State with the four and a half. Uh, I'm going to do the same thing. I don't think Penn State is a bad football team. They just played a really, really great football team in Michigan. I mean, we said it. That's the best offensive line in the country, uh, more likely than not. So I think Minnesota is a good team too, but I think Penn State will have a bounce back game and get it done at home. This is at night and it's a whiteout. So give me Penn State. Yeah. I, I mean, you're coming off a game where you just got absolutely embarrassed. And James Franklin, if he wants to do anything with this season, needs to come out and get a statement win here against Minnesota. Minnesota has a good ground game, which you just saw Michigan expose you in the ground game. But you've been good against everybody else that you've played on on the ground. And you get to play at home. You get to play in a whiteout at night. I just feel like three and a half points. If you can't beat Minnesota by three and a half, what are we doing? I mean, if you can't beat Minnesota by three and a half, then you are worse than Illinois. Because Illinois just beat this team. So I'm going to punt the points. I'm going to ride with Penn State here. I think Penn State wins. And you know what? I think Penn State wins by more than 10 points. But I'm I'm going to I'm going to take them at the number. But I think <laughs> I think Penn State wins by 10 or more in this game because I have no trust in Tanner Morgan. He's just bad. Tanner Morgan's just bad. So, yeah, he's 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 been showing his true colors in the last couple of yeah, games. Yeah, and Penn State, listen, their secondary really didn't have a chance to show much of what they could do because Michigan was just running up and down the field against them. And but they're good. They are good. And uh, JJ had to make some really pinpoint pass, passes in that game on Saturday. Uh, I do not trust Tanner Morgan to do that. So give me Penn State. I'll punt the points. I only have one game different from you. I feel so much more confident <laughs> going into this week than in weeks past. Wait, we we picked every we picked different on the Indiana Rutgers game, didn't we? We did. Yes, that was the only one. That's an L for you, brother. More than likely. Listen. More than likely. Listen. Vegas is making Rutgers a favorite in a game. Something's up. <laughs> Something's up. <laughs> Something smells. Yep. Something smells. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, that was the show. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to follow us on the gram and on Twitter at Big Show Pod. And wherever you're listening to us, Apple, Spotify, wherever you're listening, follow, subscribe, leave us a review. It helps out a ton. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you again next week. See you. Peace.